Well, welcome everyone to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. And my name is Irvin. And today, of course, I'm joined by my co-host and collaborator, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Well, Irvin, I'm doing great. As we were saying right before you push the record button, I am uh, jazzed about today's topic, which you brought forward and I eagerly said, oh, yes, we got to tackle this. This is going to be a good one. And I've already learned some things as you and I have sort of begun to to talk about it. So let's not keep our listeners waiting, even though they probably saw the title of it. But That's true. That's true. Yes. Just a little bit more of a sense. Sure. Well, today's topic is called Make Room for Gen Z. (laughs) And you know, the workplace is about to encounter some more rapid change on top of the rapid change that has been coming because a new generation is entering Gen Z. Now, those uh, are individuals who have been born between the years of 1997 and 2012. And actually, they make up about 25% presently of the US population. And here's an interesting thing. They are the most diverse generation in this nation's history. And so, you know, as they come into the workplace, they are going to add to the diversity of the workplace. And what's more, it's soon going to be the most populous generation on earth, with uh, more than a third of the world's population able to call themselves Gen C by 2025, they'll make up 27% of the global workforce. Now, here's what's interesting. The press has not been all positive about this generation. And it was funny, I was just, you know, looking at some headlines and and some of them I, I saw on the internet were Gen Z, the problem children of the workplace, or are Gen Z impossible to manage? The lazy worker enters the workforce. Now, ouch. wow, ouch is right. And imagine reading that and what's happening as we form opinions, even among a generation, perhaps we have not encountered in the workplace. And so therefore, You know, I often think, you know, we've done a great job trying to say we shouldn't be biased, but this seems to be one acceptable area that we can moan and groan and have biases about. So in today's episode, what I'd love us to do is have a conversation about this new generation, not with the view of really joining the bandwagon of criticism, but rather to be able to, in a wonderfully reflective way, try to understand what's going on here. What are their motivators and how can leaders best embrace the opportunities to understand because this is going to be part of the workforce, whether we like it or not. So Bridget, I'm curious, you know, you can't have been immune to some of these headlines out there and you yourself have have children and have been around kind of different generations. So, um, you know, what have you heard and, and have you been exposed to some of this negativity too? For sure. And I would say that, you know, some of my clients, I have a number of uh, Gen Xer clients, I have some Boomer clients, I have a few Millennial clients. I would say the older the client is, the more I've heard them struggle with the the Gen Z uh, folks, you know, they just, it's like, it's not easy for them to connect with and relate to this group. Yeah. And so I definitely heard that. Now, interestingly, talk about negative press. I just read the other day. So I really like the actress, Jodie Foster. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with her, yeah. but she's in a new series right now. And so she's sort of come back into my you know, attention. 
And because of that, I just read something she said about Gen Z. She goes, I find them very annoying to work with because, you know, they come into work at 1030 and they have bad grammar. Oh. I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so there you have it, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So definitely heard some of this. And, and Irvin, you know, what about you? Now, you certainly talked about the headlines, but how about your own clients? Have you seen something there? Yeah, like you, I, I have heard some things. You know, to me, it's almost like if something's going wrong, people find it a great scapegoat just to blame itself. Oh, no, it's just a different generation. They don't, you know, and it, they don't understand or they don't do this or they don't do that. And I think part of it is I often reflect, well, what was I like when I entered the workforce? Or I'm sure other people thought that there were problems with, with, with our generation. But I do agree. I think it is a pivotal moment where clients are actively beginning to deal with this new workforce that is entering this new generation. And I think, you know, they really are struggling to tend to understand, how do I manage this? Because I think part of it is, oh, they're nervous. You know, can I relate? You know, this is this is a whole new experience. So yeah, I think there is a lot of need for growth and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just hit on it. They're nervous and they're anxious, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe this is a great place to start, Bridget, because I know some listeners probably are aware of the whole generations out there. We have now four active generations in the workplace. So maybe a great place is just to spend a few moments and just kind of give a summary of who might we encounter in the workplace today from the different generations. Yeah. So let's talk about, well, what is a generation? I mean, it's a group of people who've been born uh, around the same time. And because of that, they have been shaped by some similar events, they have a context, they have a shared context, Mm -hmm. right? We've talked on this podcast about how as human beings and as leaders, we're shaped by things like our family of origin, right? Our culture. What we haven't really talked about is how we are shaped by our generational context. And it shows up in the workplace and it shows up as leaders. So let's talk about a few of those generational groups. So of course, we have the boomers, and they were born between 1946 and 1964. And boomers really pushed against some of their parents' values and conformity. And they're, they're the generation that began to experiment in big ways. You know, the sexual revolution, the march for civil rights. And for many of them, work wasn't just something you did to put food on the table. It shifted to be a sign of status and, and reward. And there was this promise of, you know, one day I'll retire and then I'll live the good life. (laughs) Uh, Then there's Gen Xers. They were born between 1965 and 1981. That generation was born into global chaos. And in a time period where a lot of things happened, like the Berlin Wall came down, there was a global energy crisis. uh, There was rampant inflation reframed by consumerism and corporate profiteering, which shut down factories and sent jobs offshore. And there were waves of layoffs. Mm. And so Gen Xers learned to never fully trust the stability of their jobs. I think that's kind of an interesting, at least, you know, might not apply to everybody. That might be a shared characteristics. And then millennials. What about millennials? So I have three children who are millennials. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were born between 1982 and 1996. And in this period, a divorce increased. It became more of a norm, right? Mm -hmm. And parents held their fractured families together by focusing anxiously on their children. 
And uh, custom to being the center of that anxious attention, millennials are more likely to expect the job to bend to them than for them to bend to the job. And I think that was a huge shift. Yes. Like boomers are like, what are you talking about? Just do your job and, and stay quiet. <laughs> and the millennials are like, I, I would like you to do this, this, and this. Uh, so Irvin, which generation are you in and what, what resonates with you? Well, I was born in 67, so I kind of make the Gen X. And, you know, there's a lot that resonates there. I, plus, you know, as I've talked in other episodes, I'm also a child of the trouble. So I grew up in a very interesting context all around me as well, which added, you know, this global crisis and crisis around me. But I really do resonate with this ability to want to be independent. I think Gen Xers want to be very independent. And I don't think we trust the system. We don't trust I think we were the a generation that didn't, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the job is not going to be secure. So right. may, maybe I just have to trust myself. And I think that's a part of it. You know, I, I, I struggle to ask for help. You know, I'm a very independent person. And I think I share that with a lot. And when I think of my classmates and I think, you know, of, of our careers and yeah, it's very much, that's kind of part of, of what I've kind of embraced. Hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, I am a boomer. Mm. I relate to some of that, to that, that pushback, you know, around like the whole civil rights thing. That was a, that was a, Mm. my older brother was somebody who I admire a lot and he was big into that still is. And that became a value of mine. And I think that was generational shaping for sure. So I just think it's fascinating that it's just one more context to be mindful of in how we show up as human beings how we show up as leaders, right? So yeah. now let's get a little more specific about the Gen Zers. What makes them so special? Yeah. So the Gen Z were born between 97 and 2012. And here, here's one thing that I find fascinating when I was looking at them. You know, you know, most generations, you've mentioned there are significant world events that were situated around kind of a generation. And for you, you know, kind of civil rights. For me, it was global recession, et cetera. But here's a generation where at no point of growing up between birth and becoming 20, there wasn't some crisis and significant crisis. There was no let up. So like, for example, when they were born, it was around 9-11. And, you know, when you think back how significant event that was for the world, and then we had a spate of terrorist bombings in Madrid and London. And then when they went to grade school, they had a financial crisis. And then when they were in grade school and junior high, we had the start of the spate of awful school shootings, you know, Parkland, San Diego. You know, when you think about it, you know, this is the first generation, if you ask them, did you have active shooter drills at school? They would say yes. And for us, it was like, what? What do you mean by that? Just think about the significance of that, going to school every day. And then when they were in junior high, they had the climate crisis. They're the first generation to have to deal with this existential threat to the world. War, there's all types of war happening in the world throughout this from Afghanistan onwards now to Ukraine. And then you had these significant movements happening when they were in junior high school, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Me Too movement. And then finally, you know, here they are in junior high school about to graduate and the pandemic comes. So I think, you know, really when I thought of that, I said, oh, my God, this poor generation, there's been no let up. They have had this constant level of anxiety. And therefore, you know, one of the things that are not surprising, and I think it puts it in a context that 70% of 
you know, this generation across all types of genders and race and income say that anxiety and depression, you know, are significant problems for them. Right. We talk a lot in this podcast about a systems approach, you know, and how the system impacts is when you just think about that living like in a bigger system, in the world system we're in, and, you know, you've gone through a period of huge anxiety in the world. Yes. And for that not to permeate and to have impact, it's interesting how that comes out. I really think, you know, that is something to really consider and be thoughtful about when we, you know, when we're talking about maybe some of their priorities in the workplace, because I think that mm -hmm. really, really carves out some unique perspectives. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Bridget, you know, what other priorities come up for you? Have you seen, you know, with this new generation, Gen Z? Well, first of all, I want to say that while you were talking about all of the crises that were the backdrop of their lives and the anxiety that that would naturally create it makes such sense because anxiety is a state of unease in the face of perceived or real threats. Mm. Right. Yeah. So of course yeah. there would be that. The other thing that occurred to me while you were talking is I have a daughter who's, she's a millennial, but she's sort of on the cusp. She was born in 1995. So if she had been born two years later, 1997, she'd be considered a Gen Zer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I hear in her some mm. of the same concerns, some of the same things that you were just talking about. So to our listeners, you know, we recognize that these generational groups, you know, you could be born on the cusp and, and you, <laughs> you kind of relate to a couple of Yep. Right. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Here's the thing. If as a Gen Z or you've grown up in the context of lots of threats and anxiety percolating in the background of your society, it's not surprising then that mental health would be a core concern for you. You yourself may have mental health challenges, right? Yeah. And according to a Duluth study regarding Gen Zers, 44% of them have recently left their jobs due to work depression. Mm. So that tells you something right there. Yeah. And consequently, they really do value employee mental health and value companies that take that seriously. Yeah. And, and put in place, you know, initiatives, although I think there might be some skepticism around that. Yeah. So that's a core area. You know, and it's interesting, Bridget, I think even there, there's even a little difference between millennials. Like, you know, millennials were ones that was kind of like work-life balance was important. And I think for Gen Z, it's even a little nuance from that. It's more that I have these mental health issues. Are you going, how supportive are you going to be? What initiatives are you going to show? And are you listening? You know, so it's, it's yeah. even a different nuance. So it is. Yeah. And, and what a gift if you think about it, because from a historical perspective, in this country, we've not paid attention to mental health. We've yeah. not even talked about yeah. it until recently. Yes. Now, at yeah. least now it's on the table. Absolutely. You already mentioned this, but I think it bears repeating that diversity mm. is a core concern of Gen Zers because they themselves are a diverse group of people. Yeah. So they value diversity and they expect diversity in the companies that they work for. Mm. And, the, you know, there was an interesting statistic here where 83% of Gen Z workers affirm that workplace diversity matters. And around 33% declare they wouldn't apply for a job in a company where diversity is not considered. So that's really interesting. And it's not just diversity of ethnicity. It's diversity, you know, regarding all things, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic backgrounds, and so forth. Mm. And then... They are the first digital natives. They were the generation that was born into 
a time of tremendous technological innovation and were raised on the internet, <laughs> not mm-hmm. literally, but figuratively. Yeah. And so the cool thing about that is like information was at their fingertips and they learned to be, I think they know how to learn. They know how to, you know, go online and figure stuff out. Right. Yeah. And then of course, social media yeah. became ubiquitous. There's pluses and minuses to that. It allows Gen Zers to stay connected to their peer group in a much more different way than previous generations. But on the other hand, you know, too much of that screen time, whether it's social media or otherwise, is linked to depression and anxiety, sometimes low self-esteem, sometimes body image issues. So there's some real interesting core concerns here that they bring to the workplace. Anything to add to that, Irvin? Just one comment on the three of those. You know, when you think about it, I don't know about you, but I hear, you know, what what are areas that leaders need to work on in the workplace in the future? Those three areas are the areas we need to work on our diversity and, and diversity in its, in, its, in its wholeness, you know, making sure yeah. that everyone's heard, got a place at the table that we're considering all voices. We need to adapt to new technology because that ain't changing, you know? And then people are where everyone since COVID is worried about their own mental health and about that. So I think, you know, I have the gift of Gen Z is they are bringing forth these issues, which whether we like it or not, we have to deal with. Everyone has to deal with. And here yeah. you have a generation brought up in that who are very comfortable in that. So maybe they, we have a lot to learn from their level of comfort in those three areas. But I think I'd add two other mm-hmm. things. One is that this is a really idealistic generation. They're very socially yeah. conscious. You know, they grew up in climate change, this existential threat. They, they feel this, the weight of this responsibility that if we don't change the way the earth is at the moment, then what's the yeah. legacy? You know, how are we going to live? And I think that they're looking for ways to have a positive impact in, in the world. And they care about that. And they, they yeah. care about diversity. They care about uh, people being treated correctly. So it's such a, a wonderful, wonderful trait. And then prepare to be surprised. So this is the one that blew my mind. So if you had said to me, you know, hey, what form of communication did Gen Z like? I would have tried to back to you. Well, I just believe that they want to be texted to and that's it. And they don't do well in communication. And yet... The evidence actually points otherwise. I came across this great, um, some research done by the Ann Casey Foundation, does a lot of research around children. And they said, you know, what's that question asked to Gen Z is what communication type do you like the best? And 90% said their favorite form of communication was in person. It wasn't text, it wasn't email, it wasn't chat group, it wasn't DMs or FaceTimes or Snapchats or Skype. It was in person, which Part of it is, yeah, at the core, we are human beings and we thrive for connection. And maybe, you know, this it's a digital blip here, but at the core, we still we still want connection. And it's a reminder that no matter what the generation is, that human contact, and maybe they don't fully have the skills to have that contact or the skills to develop it, but they want right. it. Right. Yeah. No. And, and they know what it's like to not have it because a lot yes. of them were in school during the pandemic you know, maybe in college or or what have you and kind of missed it, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 You know, we'd love to go with this conversation, you know, is then how do we manage this incoming group, this increasing diversity in the workplace? And, you know, we both started by saying, you know, we hear all this exasperations, you know, from employees and, and we hear, you know, antidotally that, you know, Gen X don't get on with millennials, millennials don't get on with baby boomers and they're at each other, you know, and these conflicts are beneath the surface. And I think, I, I believe that, you know, you can talk some very practical strategies, but I think the core 
skill that a leader and a manager and a peer can bring in the workplace today is really empathy. Because empathy really attempts to listen and bridge the gap, to really begin to understand some of that experience. I think when we understand what it's like to walk in another person's shoes, I think we begin to understand, you know, maybe this is where some of these values are coming from and some of these needs. What do you think, Bridget? Yeah, I think the phrase walk in another's shoes is the key part of that. Because if we don't spend time learning about these other generations that we're not a part of, but perhaps we are supervising, (laughs) we can't leverage their perspective or their gifts. So I think it begins with listening. Yeah. And really leaning in and getting curious about, mm. let's say, this, these Gen Zs on your team, being curious enough to ask really good questions and then listening to the answers mm. so that you have an understanding of where they're coming from. And what that does when you, when you listen, when you ask questions from a place of curiosity, what that does is it begins to break down and dispel stereotypes because that's what you started the episode with is, you know, there are so many stereotypes Mm. out there about all the generations. I mean, I get, my kids make fun of me as a boomer. I I get sent stuff all the time and I'm just like, that's a stereotype. (laughs) But how do you break those down by connecting with somebody and really learning about them and being curious. Right. And then and only then can you leverage their perspective. And, and you know, you said they're a very idealistic group. Well, hey, idealism can be harnessed for the greater good yeah, of, yeah. of any organization. But now, you know, what's interesting is that even though the research, like that piece of research you shared goes against all the stereotypes about Gen Zers, right? Oh, they only want to text. They don't know how to talk on the phone. And, that. and yet- of them say they would prefer in person. So why do stereotypes persist even if the facts don't match that? Well, it's part of the way we're made up as human beings, I'm afraid. You know, I think we have mentioned before, we try and simplify things and we try to do that, sort things to make them easier to understand. And unfortunately, I think we, we put things in buckets to make sense. And so we at times, you know, really reduce things to sometimes some simplistic explanations for others' behaviors. And, and this helps us create stories. And sometimes those stories are stereotypes. And I think we have to be very aware of them. And, you know, we make stories about who we are and who we're not. And then we make stories about who they are and who they're not. And, you know, stories are very vivid and they're memorable. And I'm sure, you know, I've heard stories, you know, oh, let me tell you about this new employee and this is what they did. And that becomes a story which sticks and is memorable. And, you know, I think part of that as well is, you know, the in-group type of thing. I think it's very easier, you know, you can imagine like a lunchtime, you're having a conversation and you've got people from all the same age group and all of a sudden they say, hey, did you hear about that new young person that came? They don't even know how to do this. And they say, oh, yeah. And so everyone kind of, because we're in the same group and it makes sense. And no one says, you know, hey, wait up, what's going on here? And so therefore, I think it's a very natural thing, but it's also something that, it's also can be dangerous because I think we don't get the full reality and it's easier to shift the blame. Imagine if a, a workplace relationship is not going well. There are many reasons it's not going well. And one of the, way, the easiest ways to, is to blame it. Well, they're Gen Z. That's why it's not going well. It's that generation. 
really, you know, maybe it's a deeper conversation that's needed. So Mm -hmm. I think all of those things, uh, does that resonate with you, Bridget? Oh, for sure. Because it's just, you know, all this sort of putting people into buckets and stereotyping and scapegoating is Mm. just a form of reactivity. Yes. And we've talked before on the podcast about how reactivity is the public face of anxiety. Yeah. So when there's anxiety in the mix, you're going to see more scapegoating. You're going to see more stereotyping. Why? Because we're not really thinking, we're just reacting. If we were to really step back and be thoughtful about it, of course, we know that all stereotypes aren't true. Mm. Of course, we know that just pointing a finger and blaming somebody because they're a Gen Z or they're a millennial, is not very thoughtful. Yeah. But that's not how anxiety works, right? Yeah. Yeah. So true. So So what what an interesting thing and and such a powerful reminder to all of us and to especially our listeners who are leaders or parents that that we have to show the way because this is a deeply entrenched yeah. pattern, I think, right? Absolutely. Irvin, we, you know, we always like to end with a practice. It seems like we're hovering over the top of maybe a practice. What would you like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I want to build on something you just said about can we be more less reactive, more thoughtful, which really is at the core of this. So how do we do that? I just want to offer perhaps a four-step process that if you find yourself in a situation in which there is a Gen Z or someone else, and you find yourself beginning to form judgments about what the situation is. So step number one is to slow down, is to just really catch yourself in that thinking that there are thoughts going on and just take a breath and notice, you know, what are my thoughts here? And just kind of really name them. What am I thinking here? What judgments am I making? And then the second step is perspective taking. Am I giving undue favor to one group over another? And what story, what's the story I'm making up here? You know, and normally stories have themes and and we generalize, you know, we pull from a story that said, well, everyone comes in late or everyone can't do this. And so what's the story I'm making? And then the third step is, can I change the lens? Can I look at this with a different perspective? And what might that do in this situation? And then the fourth part is what questions am I not asking? You know, what am I curious about? We mentioned about the power of curiosity. What, what do I know? What don't I know? Mm-hmm. And what questions might open a deeper conversation? Mm-hmm. So it is yeah. this, it's just embracing this, you know, let's stop. Let's just think about, let's name the stories. Let's change the lens. And then let's ask, what questions am I not asking? And what could I ask that perhaps will open a really wonderful conversation that will elicit maybe where a deeper sense of where a behavior may be coming from? Yeah, it's a lovely practice. And, you know, the way you described it, it's a self-reflection practice. But I could imagine it being a team practice, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're the leader of a team and there are comments being made that are clearly sort of automatic, reactive comments to use these same sort of steps to get the team to be more thoughtful, right? And not just to scapegoat or cast blame easily. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Urban. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this conversation. It's put you know me in a more thoughtful. I've learned a lot myself. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm guilty of a few stereotypes. I have found myself saying things and and it's been good for me just to kind of really step back and think, oh, what assumptions and stereotypes have I been making? 
And I think, you know, this, this every generation, every generation has its challenges. No generation has ever entered the workplace without conflict and challenge. And I think at times we focus on what the conflict is. And maybe hopefully today we've, we've shone a little light on what are some of the gifts this group is bringing? You know, some of the needs in the workplace that are coming in the next 10 to 15 years are the need for diversity, the need for technical comfort as technology becomes more part of our life, the need to have a passion about our vision. And I think this is a group that really provides some wonderful insights for us to learn from. Yeah. And the whole conversation around mental health, which quite frankly, has been a missing conversation in our society. And that is a wonderful thing that uh, many, I'm sure, of the Gen Zers feel committed to. Yes. It's all about leveraging the gifts and not being too quick to fall into the stereotyping, which gets us nowhere. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, Irvin, thank you so much. What a great conversation. I too learned a lot. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, uh, you found this helpful as well. We look forward uh, to our next conversation. Bridget, do you want to give a little teaser of what we're talking about in our next episode? Yes, I believe the next episode is about making it stick. Mm. It's all about creating lasting change. Oh, I love that. Hmm. Well, I look forward to that. Well, have a wonderful week ahead, everyone. Thank you for listening. Like always, if you feel that this podcast, if you hear some of your friends talking about this new generation and then they're pulling their hair out, why don't you just suggest this episode and spread the word? We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast. And until the next episode, thank you so much. Take care.